Um, well, hey, good morning. Uh, just to let you know a little bit about um, move, looking ahead, we don't really have announcements because we're not sure what to announce or not to announce these days. So, uh, you know, it, it's wild, isn't it, how things have changed in a week. I mean, just last Sunday, we were here, um, two services. Ken did an incredible job talking about um, blind Bartimaeus and um, just an amazing job of bringing our brokenness to him. And it was a beautiful, beautiful Sunday morning. Um, and then, you know, things were, were not a little up in the air. And then on Monday, I bought this rope because we as a staff have been talking about how second service, there's not a lot of people at second service, and we need to scrunch everybody together. Okay, I guess we won't need that for a little while. Okay? So we don't need the rope for a little while, at least. Um, and then Monday night, we have an elders meeting, and we're talking about stuff. And, and kind of at the end of the meetings, I said, hey, you know, we probably should send out a letter about the coronavirus. And they're like, oh, well, yeah, we'll add it to some other stuff we're doing. I'm like, okay, fine. Well, that all changed. I would say, personally, when Rudy Gobert from the Utah Jazz was diagnosed with the coronavirus, and they shut down all the NBA. And then they shut down all the NCAA with my Bruins on a winning streak and going into it. So I'm, I'm just going to say they're national champs. Um, I'm just going to do it. But these, um, these are really uncertain times. And just to let you know, our church leadership team will be meeting in the next day or so to make some plans for what the future will look like. What, um, if meeting next Sunday, I would suspect this is the last time we'll meet together like this for a little while, um, just to be really uh, cautious and to kind of help the, with all that's going on. We don't want to be ones that might spread this virus or anything like that. But we'll let you know with that. Please make sure that we have your email and, and phone numbers. There's connection cards in the foyer you can fill out. We aren't taking an offering today. If you did bring offering, there's a, the bas a basket in the foyer. You can drop um, your offering in there. Also, connection cards. You can just put that all in there. But here's the thing. Church is not canceled. Okay? We might not meet on Sundays. But church is not a meeting on Sundays. Church is not a building. Church will continue. It will look a little different, maybe, than what we're used to. But church, again, is not a building. It's not a once-a-week meeting. So church is not canceled. We will do all we can to help people connect with one another, to connect around the word, connect through prayer, and to connect through um, just sharing and getting, being together with one another. And it might be virtually. We're not even sure what it'll look like. But we will let you know this week what we are doing to make sure that church continues. In fact, church flourishes, even in a time like this. So um, the sermon today was supposed to be the rich young ruler, Jesus' encounter with the rich young ruler. And while you know, talking about Jesus being Lord of all is always good, and it's always good to remind us that money can become an idol in our lives, I realize that's not what we should talk about today. I feel like we need to experience Easter today. I don't know what Easter Sunday is going to look like in four weeks. I don't know if we'll be able to have the tent out on the lawn. I'm not sure. I know we did. I know we did. 
I know. Hey, we'll see. But I feel like we've got to experience Easter today. That every Sunday is Easter Sunday. Do you remember this? Right? We always start our Easter services out the same way, right? We say, he is risen, and the crowd says, he is risen indeed. And then there was a time when after Easter, I started every sermon with that. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Because we have to be reminded of that each and every Sunday morning. That's why we celebrate. That's why we worship on Sundays. It's not Saturdays. Some places do it Saturday too. You can do it all the time now. But usually it's Sunday to remind us of the resurrection and to remind us that we are people of the resurrection and we are people of a Sunday. So I was thinking about this. The crucifixion of Jesus and the resurrection took place during a very uncertain time. There was a lot of uncertainty in that day. There was political unrest. The Romans uh, controlled um, Israel at that time. You might remember that Barabbas is somebody who had just been arrested because he was part of a, an uprising that murdered somebody. So there's a lot of political unrest during this time then. Jesus' disciples have basically left him and have scattered because they're pretty sure they're next for the cross. You might remember on the day that Jesus was crucified that, that the sun went, it went dark for hours and hours and hours during the middle of the day. And there's an earthquake that happens as Jesus is dying. And so you can imagine the uncertainty that the people of Jesus' day were feeling. In Matthew 27, here's how it, Jesus is, he always dies. Says, and when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from the top to the bottom. The earth shook, rocks split, the tombs broke open, bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. They came out of the tombs after Jesus' resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared to many people. When the centurion and those who were there guarding Jesus saw the earthquake, and all that had happened, they were terrified and exclaimed, surely he was the Son of God. And I've heard that people talking about what we're going through right now is as if there was an earthquake that has happened worldwide. And that all of us are going through this sort of feelings of uncertainty and what is going on, not sure what's going to happen. We look back at where we were a week ago, we never would have imagined we would be where we are today. Just uncertain. And Jesus' people were very uncertain. And that's how Jesus died. And you can imagine, I just kind of wonder, the uncertainty that Jesus' people went to bed with on that Friday night. His disciples, the women who followed him. They had just watched the one who they had walked with. They had just watched their teacher be crucified. I mean, imagine again, a week earlier, they had just walked into Jerusalem with the crowds going crazy. People yelling and singing hallelujahs to Jesus. And five days later, five days later, they watch him be crucified. And so you just imagine, what was it like to go to bed that Friday night? And then what's it like to wake up Saturday morning? What's that day like for them? The disciples are probably holed up somewhere, afraid to go out and fear of being arrested. You don't want to talk about what happened to Jesus, but it's all you can think about. 
kind of just walked. How did they, what did they relate to? How did they talk? What did they do? What's, what's going to happen? I mean, I've always felt that kind of weird feeling on the Saturday before Easter. You know, you, you have the, the, the Friday night and the Good Friday service, and you talk about Jesus on the cross, and, and you know you're going to get to Sunday and Easter, but you've got this Saturday in between the two. And it's always been kind of weird to me, like, how am I supposed to feel on this Saturday? I mean, I always kind of feel like, like you're walking in a daze, and, and should I, am I still supposed to be thinking about Good Friday, or am I supposed to be thinking about Sunday? Or what? And we're caught in the middle. And that's what it feels like to me these days for all of us. So we're kind of in that Saturday time, waiting for the resurrection, wondering, hopeful, but still experiencing the death of Jesus. And then on that first Easter Sunday, some women get up and go to the tomb. Depending on which uh, gospel you read, it could have been one, could have been three, could have been more maybe, not really sure. But some women got up on that Sunday morning. And they went to the tomb. It's an incredible act of faith. An incredible act of courage. To get up in the midst of uncertainty, in the midst of unrest, of not knowing what, and getting up and going to the tomb. They don't know how they're going to, they don't know how they're going to move the stone away. But they know they're just supposed to go to the tomb. You see, they are doing the next right thing that's in front of them from God, taking spices to anoint Jesus' body. They get up and go to the tomb because it's the right thing that God has shown them to do. Here's how it's talked about in uh, Matthew chapter 28. It said, After the Sabbath, at the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake. Again, unsettling, right? For an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He's not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples he has risen from the dead and he's going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him and clasped his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. So they get up, they go to the tomb. The angel tells them, don't be afraid. Jesus tells them, don't be afraid. Now, part of that probably, honestly, is because you're seeing an angelic being who's shining. And you're seeing Jesus, who you just saw crucified a couple days earlier. But the truth of the matter is that is throughout Scripture is a phrase that is time and time again is said to God's people is, do not be afraid. Do not allow fear to control you at this time. And that's what the angel says to the women, and that's what Jesus says to the women. 
And, and then the angel tells the women, Jesus is not here. He has risen. Come see the place where he lay. He got up. I love that. Come see where he laid. He's not there anymore because he rose. So before all this stuff got like it is, we were talking about Easter. And our theme for Easter, we came up with a week ago, was rise. Rise. Because that's what God the Father spoke into the body of Jesus and said, rise. Get up from where you are and rise. And I believe that's what God the Father wants to say to us. Rise. Get up from whatever is keeping you down. Get up from the fear. Get up and rise. And, and my hope is that in four weeks we'll be able to tell that to a whole bunch of people who need to know that God calls us to be people of the risen Christ. That death has not overcome him, that he, in fact, has overcome death. And then the women hurry away from the tomb, and I love this phrase, right? Did you catch it? Afraid yet filled with joy. Isn't that all of us a lot of the time? We're, we're just this, this back and forth tug of war, right, oftentimes. Yeah, we're afraid, but we're filled with joy, and we're, oh, that's just who we are. I love that phrase. And then they ran, and they tell the disciples that Jesus is alive. And this first telling of the resurrection led to another, which led to another, and led to another, and others, and others, and others. And for 2,000 years, this has been the story that has changed everything. It started with those women telling the disciples, who then told others, who told others, and someone has told us that Jesus is alive and it changes everything. And Jesus is this first experience, the first expression, and he's the first one who experienced the resurrection that all of us will one day experience. That's the hope we have. The hope we have is that we too, like Jesus, will rise. We too have eternal life because of what Christ has done. Paul writes about it in, in 1 Corinthians 15. The whole chapter is about the resurrection, resurrection of Jesus, but also our resurrection. And he ends his chapter this way. He says, listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. In a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And then verse 58, therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know 
that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. What an incredible, incredible psalm of hope Paul has written for us. Right? Where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And he ends on this incredible crescendo of, wow, this is what Christ has done for us. This is the hope you all have. And then he goes into this really practical statement in verse 58. Therefore, my dear brothers, stand firm because you know of this hope you have. Because you know that death has been defeated, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord. And I believe that's what the Lord wants to say to us today. Because of the hope we have, because of what Christ has done through his death and his resurrection, stand firm. Don't let anything move you and give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord. I believe this is an incredible opportunity for the church. This is an incredible opportunity for us to be a light in the midst of darkness. So, here are some things I just want to encourage you with here at the end in terms of what is our work of the Lord during this time? What are we supposed to be working on? What is the work that we're called to? The first one is this. Believe in our Lord. That he is the creator, he is the sustainer, he is good and he is powerful. Continue to trust in him. Jesus said that was our work. Our work was to believe in him, to trust in him. And so during this time, I encourage you to continue to do that. Continue to trust in him. The second thing I'd encourage you to do is to draw near to the Lord. So it's pretty interesting. So a couple weeks ago, I don't know if you remember that if you were here, I did a sermon on hurry about rest. I talked about how crazy everything is and how busy we are. Well, you might not be so busy anymore. Okay? I'm just saying, you may have a little bit more free time. And you, there's a bunch of things you can do. You could just, like, binge watch every show on Netflix you've wanted. Or you can use this time to draw near to the Lord. Take advantage of it. Read Scripture. Pray, study scripture, memorize scripture. Use this time that you're going to have to allow God to strengthen you in your relationship with him. Draw near to the Lord. The third thing I would say our work is during this time is to be people of prayer. Let's be people of prayer. You know, we uh, two weeks ago called our church to a time of fasting and prayer. And and that hasn't stopped. I'd encourage you to continue to have a rhythm during your week of taking time to fast either from food or something else, but to be people of prayer. Continue to pray for our church. Pray for our community. Pray for our nation. Pray for our world. But we are called to be people of prayer. And I believe that is the work that God has for us. Fourth one is this. uh, Be thankful. 
So this came out of yesterday. I've never done this before. I don't know. Luck. I was at Stater Brothers at 6 a.m. yesterday. I am one of those. I'm sorry. And we didn't take more than we needed. We just got what we need. Though Matthew is home, so our food bill just went way up. But, um, and, and Nancy and I are leaving. You know, and, and it's, it's hard to find stuff a little bit. You can't find, there are no bananas. There's, you know, there's a lot of stuff. And we're driving home. She goes, you know what? It just makes me so thankful for what we do have most of the time. And so let's be people who are thankful for what we have and realize that there are people, billions around the world, who that is their usual way of getting through life. Let's be thankful for what we have. Be thankful people. Okay, the next thing I would say is this. Work with the healthcare officials to follow guidelines, and let's be smart about it. I would say, but don't isolate yourself. Now, by that, what I mean is this. We may have to stay in our houses more than usual, but most of us have this. And again, here's the thing. You can now call people and talk to them because they have time. You don't have to text ahead and say, hey, you got a couple minutes to talk? Everybody's going to have time to talk. So let's call each other. Let's care for each other. Let's, let's communicate. We may not be together physically, but let's not isolate. Connect with each other. This, again, is an incredible opportunity for us to actually connect more than we have in the past. So connect. Second to last. I'm sorry, there's a long list. <laughs> Do the next right thing. Ask the Lord, wake up in the morning and say, Lord, show me what the next right thing to do is. Maybe you've got a neighbor that is maybe a little more isolated, doesn't have community, and could use some help. If you do go to the markets, don't be one of those that's like pushing people out of the way and fighting everybody and all that stuff. Do the next right thing. Does the Lord put somebody on your heart and say, I wonder how they're doing? Call them. Talk to them. Be generous and willing to share. But just ask the Lord, Lord, okay, today, I just want to do the next right thing that you put in front of me. Is there a call you need to make, someone you need to visit, whatever it might be? And then finally, our overall hope is that our labor will make an impact for the kingdom of God. That this, again, is an amazing opportunity for the church. People are going to be wondering about, about long-term and eternal things, and we can come alongside them and tell them, well, here's the hope I have. My hope is that, that Jesus has defeated death, that because of his resurrection, I have new life, that I'll have eternal life, and that's the hope that I have to hold on to. So... My hope for us is that we would be the church during this time. We will let you know what we're doing. We'll let you know um, what's happening ahead. Um, but let's make sure that we do what God calls us to do at this time and to be the people of God.
to, um, to wrap this time up, we're going to uh, say a prayer together. And it's a prayer that Kenzel found uh, somebody in InterVarsity put together. And it's a really powerful prayer just for this time. And so uh, there's going to be a part which is the leader phrase, and I'll say that. And then there will be uh, something that says congregation, and that will be all of us saying that prayer together. It's a fairly long prayer, but I think it's a really great prayer. So let's um, pray this together. Our Heavenly Father, and I'm going to pray it slowly, hopefully. Our Heavenly Father, Son and Holy Spirit, we worship you as the creator and redeemer of all things. Thank you, Father, for your loving care for all of creation. Thank you, Jesus, for entering our world and taking on our flesh. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for giving all creatures breath and helping us flourish. We pray for those. We pray for the vulnerable. Protect them from sickness and fear. Remind us that every human life is precious to you. Provide for those who suffer economically and whose livelihood is at stake. We pray for those Give them. Help them. We confess our idols, O God. In this crisis, expose the false gods we trust. We acknowledge that we hope in many things rather than you. Help us place our trust where it belongs, in you. We need... Comfort us, O oh God, when we feel disoriented and when our plans change. Comfort us when our dreams are derailed. No disappointment is too small for your attention. Help us breathe, O oh God. We let go of responsibilities that we are not made to carry. We let go of the need to predict our future. We let go of the fear of the unknown. Revive us, O oh God. Revive us with rest and the ability to slow down. Revive us with creative ministry and new opportunities. Revive us with eyes to see and ears to hear. Draw us into deeper dependence on you. We trust you to be our good doctor and compassionate mother. We trust you to strengthen us and to provide. We trust you because you are completely trustworthy. Amen. Amen. Great. We'll put that up online so that you can see it later on and do it then. So let's, um, let me just pray over us, and then we'll go into a final time of worship. So Lord... Meet us in our time of need. 
Give us great wisdom. Give us compassion and courage. Help us to rise as you call us to. Help us to be people of the resurrection, people of Sunday in the midst of a world that's trapped on Saturday. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.